0: Hey everyone, before we open today's file, please make sure to follow us on Instagram at d.s.radio where you can find all the images that go along with today's case. You can drop us an email at contact.dsradio at gmail.com. You can find all of our socials in the Linktree bio on our Instagram profile, including links to merch. If you're feeling especially generous, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio, where you can get access to our exclusive Instagram page and make suggestions for upcoming episode topics that you would like us to cover. Speaking of Patreon, thanks to our Patreons, Riff Cult, Croply Crab, Cash Broadus, Raspberry Jr., Jason R. Nelson, Creepy Paper, Jamie Sook, Michael Laughlin, Lindsay Keller, Mike Wright, Greer Weaver, Kelsey Carithers, Linz Gibbon, Drake Holvig, Only Child, Michael M, Wesley Akers, Riaz K, Emily Medeiros, Pip, Heather Wynn, Graves, Devin Sweatshirt, The Ordained Sinister Minister, and Philip Hoffman. And welcome to Dystopian Simulation Radio. I'm your host, Lins.
1: And my name's Chris. How's it going, Linz?
0: Yeah, other than a major migraine, it's going pretty good. Had
2: a good Halloween, an old nostalgic Halloween. Um, yes. you sound a bit rough still.
1: I am better. I, I'm I'm largely mm-hmm. better, but there's a there's diseases ravaging my house at the moment that I am I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm hiding from left, right, and centre, and I'm I'm keeping everything together um by a by a very thin margin so um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm 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 much better than last time um so if you tuned in for the first time on the vampire episode i don't normally sound like emperor palpatine's love child (laughs) usually
0: do it
2: but yeah so that turned out to be strep throat
1: it did it did turn out to be i was like oh i'm feeling a bit unwell and then it was like the next day it was like i'm not Feeling well at all, and it was like, right. I've got to have to. I have to go to the doctor, and he was like, oh um, well, it could be, you know, it could be one of these viral things going around. You know, it could be strep. Let's have a quick look. Just say ah." Uh. And it was like, then he was just like, I could see the look on his face. He's like, "Holy shit!" And he was like, "That's a bad <laughs> case of strep."
2: You did sound terrible, to be fair, and you did also message me from the waiting room about a song that was playing
1: oh yeah it's um <laughs> so I, I walk in and the first couple of notes of uh guns and roses welcome to the jungle uh started up on the radio in the doctor's waiting room which you know fair enough is fine except it starts off with the line welcome to the jungle you're gonna die <laughs> and i was just looking around at like all the like 80 plus year olds looking like really uncomfortable
2: having flashbacks from Woodstock. <laughs> it's just a song, don't worry. <laughs> and then after you got over the strep bro your wife got COVID.
1: Yes. Yes, she had. So she's got COVID. Um, so it's great. currently I'm testing negative. So fingers crossed, there's just one person down. But I'm currently uh I'm currently on one month and looking after my son and patient zero. So uh let's see what happens. Hopefully next time you speak to me. It'll just be like, yeah, everything's fine. There is no, no disease ravaging my neighborhood.
2: No, next time you're going to be like a literal zombie. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, Chris. So before we get on with today's episode, is there anything you want to add to the intro? Here? Yeah.
1: So just before we jump in, just to say to everybody, uh, thank you very much for your continued listening ship. Um, we've had quite a few new people have joined us. Linz, you are recently on the Gen Y podcast.
0: Woo! Yes, Generation
2: Y podcast Halloween episode. I didn't listen to it because I was too scared that I sounded silly, but other people listened to it and I got some nice feedback. So hopefully it was all right. And hello to anybody who's come over from there. Welcome to the dystopian simulation. Yes,
1: we really appreciate all of you. And just on that note, um, a couple of things. So, the best place to keep up with us um, is our Instagram, which is at d.s.radio. That's where we'll post all the pictures that go along with all of our episodes. You can also go to the link tree, which is in the bio of our Instagram bio, and you can find all of our, our associated links there, two which I'd like to highlight today the first of which is Spotify. So I know quite a lot of you listen through Apple Music. I tend to when I listen to podcasts as well, but other places where maybe I can't use Apple Podcasts, I'll I'll often use Spotify. And uh, the reason why I'm I'm talking about that is because I had a a spare few minutes the other day, which was an extreme rarity, and I decided to put together some playlists of ds radio episodes by theme so to help with some of the uh, newer listeners who might be joining us now we've been doing this podcast for going upon two years we've actually just gone over two years because i remember the hour anniversary was inadvertently september the 11th um which is why we don't celebrate it oh but yes this is actually our 61st episode so we are on the downward track towards 100 episodes of our nonsense so if you uh if you enjoy things if you want to to go in by theme you know we've got like uh, i set it up with a few different ones there's ghosts and witches there's conspiracies unbelievable stories true crime pro wrestling aliens what the fuck and cryptids as well so that'll help anybody new to to dive into it if you happen to be using spotify and the other thing that i would uh, just like to highlight Really quickly, is our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Dystopian Simulation Radio. We always mean to update the intro, and we will. We're gonna we're gonna do some more things, but I just want to give all of our Patreon subscribers a really quick shout out. Thank you so much for all of your continued support. You know, we love each and every one of you for listening. But if you're a Patreon supporter, then we just can't thank you enough. So thanks to Philip Hoffman, Pip, Emily O'Diros, Riaz K, Wesley Acres. Michael M. Drake Halvig, Lynne Gibson, Kelsey Carruthers, Greer Reaver, Mike Wright, Lindsay Keller, Michael Laughlin, Jamie Suck, and Creepy Paper, which probably isn't your real name.
2: (laughs) I hope it is, legally.
1: So thank you very much, everybody, for supporting us. If you'd like to join in, then you can join uh, us and support us over on the Patreon. Subscribe to us on anything, but just thank you for listening.
0: Thank you, everybody. All right, Chris. Yes. Almondsbury. Yes.
1: Is...
2: What do you know of Almondsbury, Chris?
1: Well, well, that's the Almond District, right? <laughs> like... that's, where, that's, that's, <laughs> that's where they've got them almond farms.
2: <laughs> well, let me help you out, Chris. <laughs> Almondsbury is quite a large village in South Gloucestershire in England. And ah. in the 1800s. It was briefly the home of a strange and mysterious woman who washed up upon its shores. Oh, mm-hmm. We've got an episode that isn't about ghosts, aliens or the FBI. <laughs> it
1: is giving me big Summerton Man vibes right now.
2: Oh no, don't you worry. She she lives. <laughs> it's not a, a classic Lynn's body on a beach
1: episode. <laughs> I am going to worry if she's still living because this is the 1800s. It's terrifying
2: this young woman was estimated to be in her mid-20s and she spoke not a word of english on a spring night in 1817 she wandered into the cottage of a local cobbler and lay down on the couch
0: Not knowing what to do, the cobbler contacted the local officials and the mysterious woman ended up in the home of the county magistrate and his wife, the Worrell family.
2: Mr Worrell and his wife inquired as to who she was and what she was doing. She answered in a language that neither of them understood or even really recognised. She attempted to communicate with the pair using her hands, but little could be understood of it. At one point, she noticed a picture of a pineapple hanging on the living room wall and pointed saying, an ass. She was clad in a long black gown with a red shawl tied across her in a sash. At the time, the style in which she wore her clothes were described as Asiatic. Not knowing what else to do, Mrs. Worrell offered the mysterious young woman a cup of tea, which she accepted and prayed over before drinking. She would say the words "Allah" tala before eating and drinking from then on.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: When shown to the bed, she didn't seem to understand its purpose and instead chose to sleep on the floor. She was described as pretty, with dark hair and eyes, and was small in stature at around 5 foot 2. The young woman had no identifying possessions on her. In fact, she didn't seem to have anything with her other than the clothes on her back. Shall we take a look at this mysterious woman, Chris?
1: Yes, let's. But before we do, can we investigate a little bit about what we know so far? So of
2: course, yeah.
1: Armandsbury, which, which side of, of England is
2: it it's in? It's near Bristol.
1: Right, so uh, the Irish Sea on that side of it. Okay, so conceivably she could have come across the Atlantic Ocean and snuck in around Ireland on there interesting and then she washes up on shore and is just like yep i'm just gonna just gonna go on this random cobbler's house yeah <laughs> she basically she said the word anas pointing at a pineapple yes um mm-hmm. now i am trying to think back to what i know about language um and in french it's Lana? Lananas? bananas.
2: Ananas is kind of like what most other countries call pineapples. Mm. I don't know why we call them pineapples. but um... like
1: Apples that grow on pine trees. Now drink your tea.
2: <laughs> but yeah, like uh, a lot of countries do call it ananas, but she said something mm. like anas. I don't know if it's just what people were hearing uh, or what she actually said, but something in the realm of what a lot of other countries call the pineapple
1: so i was just looking it up uh, there as while you were just telling me that and yeah i mean french and italian it's lananas uh in icelandic it's ananas Mm -hmm. um and in swedish as well and in german yep so we've got a few options on the table there but you did say that her cloves were somewhat asian in their appearance?
2: Yeah, that's what they were described as. Yeah. So when she first showed up, she was wearing a long black gown and she had a red shawl, but it was tied across her in kind of like a sash. Okay. So not the way that a someone from England would usually like throw it around their shoulders or something or around their head even. Yeah. Um, it was like across her body. Okay. So, yeah. And she said the words ala tala before drinking the tea and she'd go on to do that
1: interesting and i also just love that british response as well of oh, <laughs> oh dear there's a, there's a strange young lady who's who's dripping wet and appeared in our front room and and she's 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 pointing to the pineapple and she's calling it something else oh, d- d- just make some tea gerald <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's what i was thinking too it's so funny
1: okay so now you've uh you've sent across this uh this picture, or should I say portrait, really. It is a, uh, a drawing of this young lady. Yes. And, uh, well, she seems to be dressed in somewhat British clothing from the neck downwards. Yeah. She's got an almost Tudoresque ruffle around her neck, along with some sort of what I can only describe as peasant folk wear beneath it. Um, <laughs> Ooh,
2: la <la-dee-da>, Chris. <laughs>
1: <laughs> her face it's a bit difficult to tell in a line drawing mm. because obviously you can't see the color of skin. But like, I wouldn't if it wasn't for this story, I wouldn't have guessed that she was anything other than Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got very striking eyes. Yeah, they, they're quite large. Um, but the main thing is that she seems to have her laundry balanced on her head. Chris. <laughs> You're so offensive. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like it's like. <laughs> Is this the sash? Did, did I she, think so. I... Did she continue to wear it on her head?
2: What Chris is trying to explain is that it's not like wrapped in any particular way.
1: Right. You know, those Instagram videos or those those TikToks, as the kids call them, where <laughs> it'll be a man and he's trying to point out like how like oh, how annoying like th- his mum is. And it'll be like a little teenager. And like when he's trying to like play the part of his mum, he puts a towel on his head. Yes. That's yeah. basically it.
2: Yeah, it does look kind of goofy, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's not how you would expect. It doesn't seem to be wrapped in any kind of way, but, you know, it 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 just kind of dumped on there.
1: It's either a very strange way of wearing it from a culture that I have never seen, or Mm -hmm. it is a very poorly represented turban.
0: Yeah, I mean, we
2: do, we will have another picture later where she's kind of a bit more dressed properly. Okay. But this is kind of what she was working with when she showed up. You know, she, she did come off a ship. So <laughs> maybe she was just a bit frazzled. Fair enough. Let's see. We, we don't always all look our best, do we, Chris? No, I look so like, like l- So let's right give now. her a break. <laughs> the Worrells tried to speak to this young woman using the basic several languages that they could speak amongst themselves in their household. So they tried French? Nope. Spanish? Nope. Greek? No. The woman didn't respond back to any of them. She just kind of stared at them, looking a bit puzzled. The woman was transported to Bristol the following morning and checked into a hospital for the homeless. So being unregistered back then was pretty much a crime. And it was quite serious to be wandering around back in the days and it could actually land you in prison if you you weren't registered to a house, you didn't have employment and things like that. So she ends up at this hospital where she's introduced to even more individuals, all of whom speak languages other than English, in an attempt to figure out where the girl was from. But none of the people that she was introduced to spoke a common tongue. The mystery woman grew depressed while she was in this hospital. She was unable to sleep in the environment and she seemed generally uncomfortable being there. She began rejecting the food she was offered and she barely slept. So after a while, Mrs. Worrell received news of the woman's deterioration and she decided, at the goodness of her heart, that she would take this mystery woman into the family's care and while in their home, They tried really hard to communicate, to find out who she was, where she come from. And the furthest they got was learning the woman's name. So, Chris, we're about to get another big clue as to what country this woman who is rocked up to England is from. So do you want to have, just for funsies, a random stab in the dark at what her name was, Chris?
1: Okay. Um, So I'm using what I know here. Mm -hmm. So she... She's from far away. She doesn't seem to be from Europe. Because otherwise she would have she would have been able to know a couple of words at least of, of one of those big major languages that they tried. Yeah. Um, she wears unusual garb, described as somewhat Asian. I'm going to guess that maybe she's a Pacific Islander.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Although well, that would be a hell... No. Because she would have drifted across Atlantic. The- that would be a hell of a journey that she took. Yeah. Is it is it Bob? Stop. <laughs> um Is it I, I honestly have no idea. But the thing the, the the thing that would help me to guess would be knowing what the what country she's from. So I'm just randomly stabbing in the dark at random names. So I'm gonna go with Eliza.
2: <laughs> well, I can reveal that the mystery woman's name was Caribou. Caribou. Does that help you in in our little investigation as to where this lady may hail from? I'm
1: sure I've heard the word caribou before.
2: Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I thought right away. The first thing that came to is mind is it an animal? Yeah. The first thing that came to mind for me is isn't a caribou like a, a water buffalo? Caribou, I think they called. Caribou. I know in I think in, in Thailand it's Carabao. I in Philippines it's caribou. Let's
1: find out. I
2: believe.
1: Uh, as as I have spelt it here, C-A-R-I-B-O-U, it's a reindeer.
2: So caribou sat as visitors speculated about all the various parts of the world and lesser known islands they could think of, but nothing seemed to fit. They discussed customs of peoples all over the world while Caribou sat there looking and listening with interest, but not fully connecting
0: with anything.
1: Did they get Louis de Rougemont a long time? He show... must have been to that far off island and and ridden at least <laughs> one of the animals with jet skis.
2: <laughs> he showed his suntanned arms. <laughs> oh, if no, if you're listening to this and you don't know what we're talking about. Louis de Rougemont was a guy who claimed that he lived as a cannibal chief. Um, where was he again? Was he off the the coast of Australia somewhere? Yeah, yeah, that's right. and he was full of shit. <laughs> so
1: yeah. yeah, you've got I to just check done out circles that around the British Isles.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so. People who would visit Caribou would bring along books and exotic items hailing from far-off lands in the hopes that she would recognise at least something. Caribou showed enthusiasm for all of the sculptures and trinkets and the engravings that were brought her way, and many of the wares would pique her interest, but it brought the village no closer to solving the mystery of who is this random soggy woman? No other information could be obtained, until... Around a fortnight later, the Worrells received a visit from a Portuguese traveller named Manuel Eneso. He had heard about Caribou while passing through the village and decided that he would request to chat with her and see if he could understand her language. The Worrells were amazed when Manuel began conversing with Caribou and following a dramatic and emotional conversation, revealed that he believed the language may have been Malaysian, as he had recently travelled there and recognised oh. it.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Malaysia. Hmm. Okay, right. So, again, if she's in Malaysia, though, using my limited knowledge of 1800 seafaring navigation, um, <laughs> I don't think there were many boats that would be going that far. Oh, they did. So she would have been on quite a hell of a journey.
0: Oh, it is a journey, but yeah. No,
1: I'm just thinking because she's either gone the long way around, if you will, or she's gone across, like as in under under Asia, uh, under Europe, and then up into England, or she's gone over and across the Americas and then across the Atlantic, tucked in under Ireland and come in. But I don't think the Panama Canal was open then.
2: We will get some more answers. Because this lengthy chat did provide the Worrells with a lot more information about Caribou's background. But before we do, I have another picture here for you, Chris. All right. And this is Caribou in her more traditional way, not what she ended up wearing when she got to England.
1: Okay. So, in this case, now, so, this is a lot better of a representation Mm -hmm. of what she was wearing, so... Starting at the bottom, she's wearing some shoes with straps. I don't think they're tattoos. I think they're supposed to be straps.
2: They look kind of like those gladiator sandals that people yeah. were wearing in the 2000s. I was
1: <laughs> 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 Oh, God. Uh, she's got some gold robes on. Mm-hmm. Um, which are, have seemed very, very fancy with long sleeves. Uh, she has got a necklace around her neck. She seems to be clutching at her left breast
2: for some reason (laughs) well
1: it might feel nice and then she's got this headdress on her head which is a much better representation here of what it was actually supposed to look like it had a a white sort of flowing aspect to it and it's got peacock's feathers sticking out of the top um Mm -hmm. however and potentially this is just the artist's rendering maybe from memory she's very very white
2: yeah i'm not sure if that's just an artistic interpretation because she was described in the newspapers as having darker skin okay i don't know why they've chosen to put a asian beauty filter (laughs) on this oil painting but um for some reason they have but yeah she was described as having a darker complexion and dark eyes dark hair According to this Portuguese sailor who'd conversed with her, he said that she came from an island called Javasu, he said that she came from an island called Javasu, and had lived there with her father, who was Chinese, and her mother, who was Malaysian. She explained that she was forcibly taken against her will from the garden of her home by pirates, hogtied, and dragged out onto their ship. She fought so hard against them at the start that she actually killed one of the pirates. Her father, she said, had a total of three wives, and, judging by caribou stories, they were all from some kind of royal bloodline or background. The captain of this pirate ship, she said, was called Chi Minh. She spent a week and a half on his ship in terrible conditions, before eventually being sold to the captain of a Europe-bound ship. She ended up throwing herself overboard, ending up in Bristol, traded her traditional clothes with a local woman, and with nowhere to call home in this strange new land, lived in the rural countryside for a month and a half. It was revealed that Caribou was actually a princess. So, did you expect any of that, Chris?
1: Uh, no, uh, I didn't. So, she is a princess of this small island, was part of Malaysia. She is abducted. Her father is too busy with his three wives to notice. <laughs> and then she kills a pirate. She mm. is traded, ends up on a Europe-bound ship, and then at exactly the right moment throws herself overboard and ends up in Almondsville. Almondsbury. <laughs> Almondsbury. Sorry, Almondsville's just to the right of Almondsbury. It is the Almonds district after all. <laughs>
2: Actually, her father died swimming after the ship that hauled her away. And do you want to guess how her mother died? This was not on the same day. Obviously, this would have been a terrible day if that was the case.
1: Was she or did it create a power vacuum immediately? And then did all three of the wives go to war um, in order to, to become queen of the kingdom?
2: Nope. She was eaten by cannibals.
1: So she did know Louis de Roux.
2: Well, if Louis de once spent time with cannibals called the Boogoos, then it's possible that she might have.
1: The Boogos? The Boogoos. That sounds a bit
2: racist. That's what she said. So the princess started to get comfortable living with the Worrells, actually. She began to express herself more, although they still couldn't really communicate using words. She would pray to every body of water that she passed in the village. And she began to cook her own food and she even showed off her bow and arrow skills. Okay. And she could usually be found wearing her bow and arrow and walking around the village wearing her turban. Not only did she continue to talk in her own language, she also began to write in it. And we have an example of the writing. And we'll get to that, Chris, but what do you think so far? Well,
1: this this is a very fantastical tale The one the is that's the one thing that's so sticky my mind is so she's she's been presumably by this point in England for at least a year
2: no it's probably just been a couple of weeks by this point Chris. oh I thought
1: she'd been a hospital and interned and all that
2: yep yep she had in and oh. out <laughs> okay
1: the good old NHS <laughs> I, I would have thought she might have picked up a word or two of English by now
2: yeah, but she's not going to start speaking in sentences after a couple of weeks.
1: No, no, of course not. But she might have learned, you know, pineapple maybe or hello.
2: Yeah, like when you go to a different country and you you do pick up, your, you know, hello, goodbye, thank you. And maybe some items that you're going to use often yeah. or some foods. But yeah, she just um, continued speaking in her language. You see,
1: I saw this, this documentary once. Um, and it was Mm -hmm. called uh, Pocahontas and I I distinctly (laughs) (laughs) remember Pocahontas learning English very quickly and singing about colours of the wind
2: yeah and not only English I think she also spoke raccoon she did okay an example of the writing I don't know how good you are with uh different written languages I mean some are easy to Japanese Chinese Korean it's easy to see the difference between them Thai Burmese you know I've been around the block
1: a few times I'm, I'm fairly good with this stuff uh, yeah we
2: we've yeah, yeah. we've frequented that part of the world so we probably be all right in recognizing that. but remember this is like Malaysia 1800s yeah so
1: I have never as of yet been to Malaysia um I may actually okay. have an opportunity to go there um coming up. In, yes. In a while, I think. Uh but anyway, but I do not know that much about the writing system, especially well, that of the 1800s.
2: Nowadays they use the alphabet actually. Okay. Because of because the old Dutch came in, but previous to that, I think it was well, they did have their own script back in the days. But because, you know, they've been colonized, you've you've got the introduction of Islam and stuff, it's changed so much over the centuries. But this is what Caribou is wrote in the eighteen hundreds. So let's take a look at it. Okay. So you can imagine this village of Almondsbury is like, what on earth? Like they know what Chinese looks like, you know, they they're familiar with the big hitters of Asia. But when they see this, they're just like, okay.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: so what do you make of this? How would you describe it to the listeners?
1: It's very modelled up from my interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Knowing some Asian languages, specifically Japanese, I can recognize some things in there as, as kanji or potentially Chinese characters, maybe not Japanese. Obviously, they, they share the same alphabet, but it's pronounced uh, differently mm-hmm. when it comes to kanji. But then there's also things in there that look like it could potentially be inspired by arabic yeah and then there's also things that just appear to be squiggles on the page randomly
2: the squiggles look a bit um like thai or testing a pen (laughs) no i think here she was writing like her name where she lived where she came from stuff like that
1: right i mean on that second image there's definitely there's there's definitely some kanji on there Mm -hmm. um, yeah as i know it so uh, it this seems to be all all muddled up. Um, so either this is a very learned woman, which she very much could be if she was, you know, the, the daughter of a um, of a king of, mm-hmm. a, of an area, um, or she is extensively travelled. However, why she would mix up all of these writing systems, I'm not sure. Um, but that also it could be a coincidence. I mean, the, the kanji patterns that I can see in there are rather basic. They're sort of like your elementary kanji, so maybe it's just coincidental that those things are in there, and this is the actual language.
2: Yeah, that's kind of the first thought that I had when I looked at it. It looks like the Pokemon language in the new new Pokemon games, or it looks a bit like um, when people... (laughs) <laughs> when people get abducted by aliens and they come back with little pieces of paper oh, with like yes. alien text on it. But yeah, it it looks like a, a bunch of different scripts all mixed up. But this is what she wrote in. I mean, we know that she's from Javasu. We know that she's from somewhere near Malaysia. How are you feeling so far, Chris? Do you think we need a professional opinion?
1: I would like to hear a professional opinion. Um, I um I don't want to cause doubt. On
2: On this, this podcast, this
1: no, <laughs> no, never at all, um, but this language stuff is not adding up, so yes, I would like to hear the opinion of someone who knows more about this than I do.
0: all right, so a
2: doctor named Dr. Wilkinson met with Princess Caribou, and after addressing her and talking with her for a while, he revealed that in his professional opinion. She was who she said she was. He also confirmed that he was able to identify the written language he used as legit, at least when compared to an encyclopedia of language that he had studied. He also did a physical examination where he found what he described as the methods of a, quote, oriental surgeon, in the form of strange circular markings on the back of Caribou's head.
1: Right. Okay, a lot to unpack there, so... Yeah, um,
2: and this doctor corresponded with newspapers who were like writing about the story. He would he sent in a big letter with basically his conclusions, so he was public about it as well.
1: Uh, well, I mean, firstly, it sounds a bit funny when he's like, "Oh yeah, this is definitely a language according to the just this this random book that I've I've, I've got over here." But I don't I think it was track- random,
2: but it does sound like he just had like a Britannica CD-ROM.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, uh, you have to think that at the time, you know, information was quite limited, so it makes a lot more sense. But the.
2: Yeah.
0: <coughs> Bless you.
1: Yeah. So these circular, quote unquote, oriental surgeon marks. Um, what? Like.
2: Yeah. So I think he was trying to say that, like, these marks came from some technique that was performed for medical reasons, in Asia. That's what I got from it, from the papers. But he just called it um, the work of an oriental surgeon. So
1: I suppose anything's possible, but what, were they just going around with like cookie cutters and just like making circular marks on the back of people's necks.
2: Well, the 1800s, it was a weird time. I mean, they did like trepanning and stuff where they drill into your skull if you had a headache. So it's not out of the realm of possibility um, <laughs> that they were just sawing little, I don't know. I, I have no clue. You know as much as me.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of this, but I mean, I can't even think of what that would be in Western medicine, why she would have yeah, circle in mean, a scar. Yeah. Hmm. A, you know, a straight line of a scar. Exactly. Um, but a circle. Was she, was she an alien?
2: It's, she could be. It's sounding like she could be so. Obviously, this mysterious visiting princess and her swashbuckling story was the most interesting thing to happen in Almondsbury ever. (laughs) And the story spread like wildfire across the United Kingdom. So newspapers began printing stories about it, and Caribou's fame started to put her on edge, like she was getting so much attention, so many visitors. So she left the Worrell's abode unannounced, and made her way to Bath, which is around 20 miles away. The wealthy women of the towns in Bath were really sympathetic to her, and she even inspired, like, a fashion moment, and people started wearing, like, fashion turbans, and kneeling to pay their respects to this princess from this faraway exotic land.
1: (laughs) Right, okay.
2: (laughs) These middle-class ladies were, like, really into it. They were like, oh, Princess Caribou. And they started dressing like her and everything. You
1: must (laughs) join us for our social later.
2: Basically, yeah. Like, it was a moment. (laughs) Like, her rocking up was a total moment. But since Mrs. Worrell was in charge of this young woman, and homelessness or, like, vagrancy was a crime punishable by prison in the 1800s, she went to fetch Princess Caribou and bring her back to the home in Almondsbury just to save her any sort of legal troubles. So being in Bath, which was like way posher and chica, had only rewarded Caribou with more attention, and eventually her likeness and the pictures that you know the the sketches that we looked at that mm-hmm. had been drawn of her—they started to circulate so far that well, her ex landlord had recognized her, and outed the entire story as a crock of shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? So Correct landlord, right? So, so hold on, right? Where are you? So she's she's not from a far-off island. She's not being washed ashore. She's from like what shortage? <laughs> oh
2: yes, Chris. You may have called it earlier, but we have discovered the female counterpart to our beloved Louis de Rougemont, yes. the man who claimed. To have once been a cannibal chief, but had been lying through his meatless teeth. So who was Princess Caribou then, Chris? Do you want to have any attempt at guessing who she was before I just reveal it all to you? Well,
1: I mean, she was was British, or at least living in England. She probably, I'm going to guess, was running away from some debt or running away from... (laughs) a life that she'd lived maybe a relationship and and left her you know her tenancy rather quickly leaving her landlord to be rather pissed off about it and then as soon as you saw her picture in the newspaper claiming to be a malaysian princess (laughs) thought
2: fuck you can you imagine
1: (laughs) i'm gonna get that sixpence back
2: (laughs) but if you were caribou how embarrassed would you be at this point uh, like, <laughs> you have been pretending to speak in a completely different language, not understand a word of English, and then you've just allowed everyone to believe you're a princess. You've been living the high life.
1: I, I mean, <laughs> she, this, is, this is, you know, definite criteria to be cancelled today. You can't do this. <laughs> but...
2: Cancelable offence.
1: <laughs> so what was her real name then?
2: Princess Caribou was actually a young woman named Mary Baker.
1: (laughs) Mary Baker. So we've got a baker, we've got a cobbler, (laughs) a candlestick maker coming into this.
2: Well, one never knows, Chris. So Mary had left home at the age of 16 and after a string of failing jobs had decided to go panhandling in the disguise of a, quote, foreigner, to get enough money for a one-way boat ticket to the U.S. of A. Sweet diggity dog. (laughs) She was born in Witheridge in Devon, so as English as they come. And she had been the whole time pretending not to know English. And she also used the literature, trinkets, knowledge of other cultures provided by all of her visitors who were standing around her speaking in English to fill in the details of this fake country of Javasu that she totally made up.
1: <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. So
2: they were actually helping her by accident. What about this uh,
1: Portuguese merchant then who rocked up and was like,
2: We're going to get to him. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> we're okay. Get to like, he had a full on conversation <laughs> with her. So was he smoking the same thing?
2: Right. <laughs> he had a full on dramatic conversation about her life in a fucking made-up language
1: so he's either in on it or he's seriously <laughs> seriously hitting the salt. Yeah.
2: so mary did give a well well let's just say it's an account that you might want to take with a grain of salt considering her history of talking out of her rectum
1: talking out of her anasas <laughs>
2: But according to Mary, and you might want to brace yourself, because this is a bit of a barrage, Chris. Okay. She had a bunch of failed jobs that she regularly quit to go wandering around instead. One of these jobs was as a servant, but she left due to pay and a lack of freedom. She did some other jobs she didn't like. She went to London, ended up at a house for ex-sex workers, wasn't an ex-sex worker, so she had to leave. She fell in love with a French bloke, fell pregnant, gave birth to a boy, put the child up for adoption, claimed he died some months later, joined a group of travellers, hung out with them for a little stint, Moulin-style cut off her hair to pass as a man and became a highway robber's apprentice or something before deciding she wanted to go to America by ship, pretending to be a foreigner after seeing some French ladies getting special attention near the dock on the quayside and finally doing the whole princess caribou shtick. So
1: this sounds as tall a tale as the princess caribou stuff. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I was with it until she was like, yeah, I was a highwayman's apprentice.
2: Right. Like, <laughs> So I think basically, I think some elements of it are true and some are fabricated. So <laughs> she was a servant and she did have a lot of random jobs. She didn't like to stay in them. I think she did meet a French guy, fell in love with them. Maybe you know had a kid, and, as for the highwayman and the the joining the group of travellers, and I don't know, but she definitely did start panhandling as a French lady.,
1: I can believe that,
2: yeah, but the problem was Chris, she couldn't speak French, could she? <laughs> In fact, she couldn't really speak any other language that fluently, so she had to make up the country of Javasu.
1: So I want I, When she was trying to be French, I, I want to hear this.
2: So the precursor for the caribou act was to imitate the French ladies at the dock. And it actually worked on at least one occasion because some bloke took her to a local inn, spoiled her with meat and alcohol, which she gorged herself on, by the way. And when she was caribou, she was like vegetarian. She had like this Hindu diet. And she made like curries and she'd always reject meat and throw it out of dishes and stuff like that. And she'd reject alcohol too. She was like really, um, she was really good at acting like caribou. Like she'd act really dignified. She'd, she did not like the attention of men. She was just, she really played that princess role to a T. Okay. So <laughs> this guy that believed she was French and took her to a local inn would later come out. And he said, that he spoiled her with meat and alcohol which she gorged herself on and then when he later read about Princess Caribou in the newspapers, he worked out that it was the same faux French lady that he had wined and dined pre-princess and exposed her, saying that although she may have been acting shy of male company, opposed to alcohol and consuming only a meat-free diet, that she was certainly She wasn't
1: that night, she had meat all night
2: (laughs) Basically, that's what he said. He was like, that was certainly not the case on the night that we met.
1: Was it followed up by lads, 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 by the chance?
2: <laughs> but you've got to love the grind, though, because she's just like, oh, these French ladies are getting loads of attention. I'll just do that. I mean, I'll just dress a bit weird and speak in some made up language with an accent. But obviously, a lot more people speak French than they do Java, yeah. So she couldn't really keep that up <laughs> for too long. I wonder how it like evolved. Do you think she was like, oh, I'm French. And then someone spoke French and she was like, I'm actually. I I... am
1: from a different part of France. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She must have been relatively well read, though, at the time. Because, you know, you have to think about the availability of this information. Most people might not have known the other side of England, but for her to be making up. These things about other cultures and languages and writing systems and so yeah. on. You've got to have at least a, an inkling of what something might be.
0: Well, I
2: suppose she did work as a servant and stuff. So she might have had access to, like, the libraries of um, the collections of more wealthy people.
1: Yeah, that is true. That is true. Uh,
2: and also... You've got to remember that all of her visitors were just openly talking about all these different sort of cultural practices around her, thinking she didn't understand. And she was just absorbing it and then working it into the act. It's actually really impressive.
1: If she truly is a Malaysian princess, she'll know the word. No, I don't know where I'm going with this, sorry.
2: You know what? There is a movie about it. It's based on the true story, but they've added stuff. So it's a bit of a comedy. It's, it was done in the 90s. And in the scene where she's first brought into this house, which is a way richer household than is described in these newspapers than the actual story. But there's a servant and he's I think he's Greek or something. And when he's serving caribou, he thinks that she's faking it and he's kind of like got an inkling that she's just like making it all up. So when he puts soup down for her, he's like, by the way, I pissed in your soup and I spat in your soup to make sure that she will eat it and not like show disgust on her face. And she clearly does understand what he's saying, but she has to like keep a straight face. It's actually a really funny movie.
1: Wow, who stars in it?
2: Oh, gosh, I can't remember. You might have to do a speedy Google.
1: Evee Kate, I've no idea who that is.
2: Yeah, I didn't um, recognize her either, but it was.
1: Oh, she was in Gremlins.
2: The reason Mary was doing all of this was basically just to raise funds to go to the U.S., and she thought that doing it in the guise of a poor foreigner, a vagrant through no fault of her own, would award her more pity and pennies than a workshy Englishwoman who longed for an adventure in the New World. So, Chris, the sailor, the Portuguese sailor who worked out somehow that caribou was Malaysian and they Uh. had that big conversation about her life, about how she got to the UK. Well, Mary later admitted that the pair had literally just been speaking absolute gibberish together the entire time. And there's no other explanation about why this guy just pretended that he knew (laughs) everything she was saying. Why did he do that? Apparently, like, they—they, they, it wasn't, like, confirmed that they knew each other or anything.
1: Well, I was just thinking, what a coincidence. I was thinking that you paid him off or, or something. I know, me too, but... it's just like, no, yeah, just, just, just speaking to her and she just, yeah, she's just... she's Malaysian.
2: <laughs> You've got to admit, it does sound like one of those drunks that just, like, show up and start rattling off stories. And he's like, oh, yeah... She said that um, Chinese pirates came and took her. Do you think that he made the story up and she was just like, God, this is great. I'm just going to go with that.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it, it must have been. It, it, it would be great if he somehow did know that she was faking it. Like she, he was like a waiter at the old place and he, he'd found her. I am going to mess with her so much and make up this most ridiculous story. <laughs> that she's going to have to try and corroborate this somehow even though she's gonna have to pretend she doesn't understand the language i just i'm just gonna just just fuck this up for her
2: yeah maybe like it's just one of the guys she fleeced at the quayside for meat yeah. and wine <laughs> he came back for revenge
1: <laughs> well he certainly added a lot of flair to the occasion anyway so good on him
2: yep he had his five minutes of fame so the circular marks that the doctor claimed were the work of an oriental surgeon apparently they were just some alternative therapy from you know those hot suction cups that they they like you get those little like glass balls and they oh, yeah. put fire in yeah, and then yeah exactly apparently it was just that and it was likely done at one of the many hospitals she'd ended up at before she ever showed up to almondsbury like it was just like a little kind of holistic therapy thing that they did on people so that doctor obviously had never left the village
1: (laughs) i didn't even know cupping was a thing yeah like back then
2: well it does seem like it would be a thing back then doesn't it i mean yeah true yeah i i think it's it's definitely it's not a modern thing by any means
1: no it definitely doesn't seem like a thing that they do in britain though
2: no you sound very funny
1: do i yeah you you you, sound really
2: congested
1: (laughs) i I really am and i'm trying my best not to be like
2: (laughs) you're like oh yes he certainly put some flair to the story (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you're sounding more and more old timey (laughs) uh, (sighs) i love it honestly
1: i don't know what's going well i do know what's going on but like like, I haven't had... Strep
2: plus COVID. Yeah,
1: I haven't had <laughs> any, like, runny nose stuff all day. And for whatever reason, it's just second I sat down, it's just...
2: You'll be happy to know that Mary did make it to the USA. Oh, good on her. She, yeah. She, she travelled by boat to Philadelphia on the 28th of June, 1817. And Mrs. Worrell, who she had fleeced, actually paid for it. What? Like, that woman is a saint. Yeah. She paid for it. Wow. Aww. What a Isn't she a lovely what woman? What a lovely
1: woman. She's like, you know what, you you conned us, you used us, you ate our food, you slept under our roof, but I'm mm. still gonna pay for your ticket to go to the USA.
0: Yeah. I
2: guess if she hadn't have gotten out of the country, maybe the penalty for like, you know, deceiving people and actually being sort of a, you know, vagrant at the time would have been like a lot worse. Maybe they like they just took pity on her or something, but Honestly, that woman is a saint. (laughs) So once in Philadelphia, Mary took the whole caribou act to the stage, although it wasn't the hit that she hoped it would be. She stayed in the US for around seven years until eventually sailing back to England in 1824. She tried the caribou stage version again in London, but it didn't go anywhere. And there were rumours that she even gave it a shot in other countries in Europe, but didn't work out for there either. A few years later, under yet another false name, she married and had a daughter. And she started making money as a leech seller, providing the leeches she caught to a nearby hospital. Leeches! Leeches! I caught you leeches! <laughs> to be honest, even these days, leeches are pretty good for some things like they do yeah. they do actually still use them here and there but um yeah got but head yeah head um head. Them, like what a job you're just in a little i don't know where they live little swamp where do leeches live <laughs> pond lake bodies of know. water yeah but what kind of what what kind of body of water like uh, like a pond stinky water. <laughs> so yeah she's just catching leeches and selling them to a hospital she died on Christmas Eve of eighteen sixty four, leaving the leech business to her daughter, who became known as the local spinster and crazy cat lady, dying in nineteen hundred. Crazy leech lady. The not the crazy leech lady, the crazy cat lady. She died the Local in...
1: Leech Lady.
2: <laughs> the other Portuguese sailors just never left, did he? He
1: talked to the leeches. <laughs>
2: She died in 1900 and ended the infamous caribou bloodline. Sounds like a massive legend to me. So, yeah, (laughs) Mary was buried in an unmarked grave in a graveyard in Bristol. However, a mystery sculptor and unknown artist who's been planting sculptures around Bristol for a while now actually made one of Princess caribou and put it in Heben Burial Ground in Bedminster. Would you like to see the sculpture, Chris? Yeah,
1: I would love to.
2: Isn't that great? Yeah, Local it's fantastic. Sculpture made, gorilla sculptor. It's even better if a gorilla made it. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Don't make me pull out the Sasquatch jokes again. <laughs> we'll have a domestic like we did last week. <laughs> By the way, the previous episode about vampires, Chris and I had. Chris almost fell out with me because I took the Sasquatch jokes too far.
1: Bullying at this point.
2: <laughs> okay, the Princess Caribou sculpture.
1: Oh, I like this.
2: Lovely, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So this is um a nice uh, stone sculpture that has got Princess Caribou. Yeah, she's she's holding uh, some kind of theatre mask uh, with. I'm presuming this is supposed to be her real face, Mary, on it, so that she's kind of. Which is funny you'd think of the way around. But yeah. taken her mask off, I suppose, and become Princess Caribou. And this is a very intricate statue. There's uh, quite a lot of detail on the dress.
2: This sculpture is in Hebron Burial Ground in Bedminster. And the sculptor is called Getting Up to Stuff. And they have an Instagram if anyone wants to check out their other work. I don't think anyone knows who they are. They're like anonymous, but their work is great, and I really love that sculpture. So, Chris, this was the story of Princess Caribou, who led a regal life in England for around 10 weeks in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: already puts it in perspective that it only lasted 10 weeks, but what, what a 10 weeks it was. What a 10 weeks. <laughs> God, it's the kind of stuff you couldn't even get away with today, though. I mean, probably quite rightly. No. But, like... You know, now that we've got the internet, you could, you could find this stuff out in a second. Yeah, and also, there's—I just don't think there's that many ships that people would fall overboard and without an incident being reported and everything else.
2: It, yeah, it's just madness that this was actually believed. Like people in Bath were like kneeling to her <laughs> and wearing turbans. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> so embarrassing. <laughs>
1: And these were all the women that she'd seen from afar.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) She'd she'd ladled their soup before. Yep,
2: exactly. And
1: now they were curtailing. They were bowing to her
2: feet. I kind of love Mary for this, actually. I feel like she tricked them all and they just totally fell for it. And then they were, yeah, like you said, they're just bowing to her for 10 weeks. And Mm -hmm. and what a great story, though.
1: I mean, she would have got away with it all if it wasn't for that meddling landlord.
2: I had that in my script. (laughs) At the time I was like, I-. Well, I can. but here we are connecting on a deeper level as usual, Chris. <laughs>
1: oh, there's no, there's no good a joke. as an obvious joke, is there?
2: No, I thought it was too obvious, but you know, we can always rely on Chris to not let them go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though. Like if the landlord and the guy who bought her the wine and meat didn't see that newspaper, how much longer could that have gone on? Yeah. Like, would she have just started pretending to learn English? I mean, what was her
1: end goal, really? I mean, did she, I mean, I was supposed to get to America, but, like, where was she Where was she going to get money from? Was she hoping that, I mean, she was rebuffing male attention, but was she going to meet a, a wealthy businessman and con him out of all of his money?
2: I'm not really sure, because I don't think she'd actually, like, made that much from it. Like, obviously, in the end, she got the ticket to the US and things. So
1: purely out of the kindness of somebody's heart.
2: I know. But if she had have just asked as herself, she would never have got any kind of funding. So she was right in a way that she had to act, like, to actually be helped. She had to act like, you know, lost royalty. So she would get an ounce of respect. And that's, like, really sad. Because otherwise, as herself, she would just be imprisoned.
1: Yeah. I mean, she had to do something desperate, but this is the craziest side of desperate. This is the (laughs) the Looney Tunes side of desperate, I would call it.
2: It's amazing. I, I just like to believe that it was a string of like she just wanted some wine and meat. And then suddenly she thought, oh, I'll sleep a night in this cobbler's home. And then they started talking to her, and she didn't want to be sent to like the poor houses. I mean, so she just started speaking a random language, and then it just kind of snowballed.
1: <laughs> that's pretty ballsy in itself. Just like, I'm just going to mm-hmm. pick this house, I'm just going to walk in. I know. What if, you know, I mean, I thought it, you were going to say originally that the cobbler was single and <laughs> she like shacked up with him and was, took all of his cobbling fortune. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or it's a big thing to just walk into somebody's house. I know. Lie down on the couch and not expect to get a slap around the chops.
2: Exactly. Right. That's confidence. That is confidence on do another think level. Did you
1: scope them out?
2: That's what I was wondering too. I'm I'm not sure.
1: Like maybe they were like well known in the area as like good Christians. Or...
2: Yeah. Well, they obviously were very nice people. Yeah.
1: Because hmm. I mean, if you're going to do it, you'd want to do your homework and find the sort of quote-unquote easiest marks. For
2: yeah. It. Yeah, I guess she too might have felt bad because she did try and run away from them, but they they tracked her down, brought her back, and she was probably like, oh, God.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, But hey, I mean, what a story, though.
2: So, Chris, that was the story of Princess Caribou.
1: Wow. Well, thank you very much for telling me this this tall tale. Um, I think... This is one of my my favorite types of stories that we come across these epic liars yep. I suppose I'll call them the, the people who make up these truly bizarre stories that seem too good to be true, and in fact they are
2: exactly and I'm I'm always on the lookout for an epic liar, a massive hoaxer and they're not not easy to come across but this was definitely a good one it it almost rivals Louis de Roux-Mont, and it's definitely my favorite types of stories too so thank you everyone for listening and all the images yes. you can find those on our instagram at d.s.radio we have a link tree link in the bio with links to everything you could possibly need so yeah thanks everyone
1: yes thank you very much everybody if if you know any tales of epic liars or, or just some tales that you'd like to hear us investigate about you know a good old cryptids aliens ghosts things that go bump in the night anything along those lines shoot us a message over on instagram or on our patreon if you happen to be a member or if you're not remember it's patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio take care don't pretend to be a foreign
0: princess hell yeah goodbye everyone (laughs) bye bye